What comes to your mind when you hear the word Disney? Walt Disney's timeless classic, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The telephone! The telephone! Assemble. Welcome to all of the magic and all of the wonder of Walt Disney World Resort. There's never been a more critical time. Fox News Media brings America together. Good evening, welcome to ESPN Sports Center. Zubin Mahenti, I'm Michael Lee's breaking news. That's right. But this giant in the world of media and entertainment has been troubled for a while now. The behemoth, once an ambitious buyer of businesses from Rupert Murdoch's film and TV assets to Marvel Studios to Pixar Entertainment, is on a massive cost-slashing mode. Reasons? A slowdown in its linear TV channel business in the global markets and losses in the highly competitive streaming business on which it spent billions of dollars. These and other problems have pushed the house of mouse to the edge. Disney says it's going to cut 7,000 people about 3% of its whole workforce. We don't know which... Last year, the company board called back from retirement Bob Iger, its star CEO, to rescue it. Now, Iger has put a third of Disney on the block, including, reportedly, its India business. That broadcasts cricket's biggest extravaganza, IPL, has lost millions of subscribers on its OTT platform and is looking at a loss this fiscal year. Disney's partner may well be a company that has already made a massive dent in its India business, an entity led by the country's most ruthless disruptor, Reliance Industries. So what are Disney's problems and what are Iger's plans to pull it out of them? How are its India problems and mistakes unique? What does that say about India's cutthroat, low-revenue television and digital streaming industry? And is Disney India like so many businesses before and after it, going to be reliant. All that and more in today's episode. It's Tuesday, the 25th of July. I'm Anirban Chaudhary and this is The Morning Brief. A spokesman for Disney India didn't comment on whether the company is looking for a partner or a buyer. After coming back, realized that the company was facing a number of challenges, some self-inflicted, some caused by changes in the business, in a large-scale disruption of certain parts of the business. I would say that in some cases, the challenges are greater than I had anticipated. Well, the transformative work, of course, is, is making sure that our course our cost structure uh, reflects the the economic realities of the business, and that includes disruption. Transformative work is dealing with businesses that are no-growth businesses and what to do about them, and particularly the linear business, which we are expansive in our thinking about, and we're going to look expansively about opportunities there because clearly it's a business that is going to continue to struggle. That is Iger in an interview with a TV news channel last week. 
Iger is being celebrated as a savior who'll pull back Disney from the edge. But it was a massive purchase led by him, actually Disney's last major deal that's arguably the genesis of its troubles. In 2019, Disney completed its merger with Murdoch's 21st Century Fox in a $71 billion deal that gave it a bunch of high-budget movies like the latest from the Avatar franchise, TV shows, a movie studio, a whole lot of TV channels like Star, Fox News, FX and National Geographic and a controlling stake in a streaming platform called Hulu. But then the pandemic struck. People stopped going to movie theatres. Some of Disney's super ambitious films flopped. The mega purchase wasn't looking so lucrative anymore. In hindsight, not a great deal. That's Dan Ives, Managing Director and Senior Equity Analyst at Wedbush Securities. Dan's been covering tech and media companies for over two decades. It made a lot of sense from a content perspective, especially streaming where it was all moving. They got through a lot of regulatory to get there. And I do think over the long term, that was the right move. But look, it added that put a lot more pressure on the businesses. And when you look at how it's all transpired, I think that's been disappointing, you know, relative to expectation to be go back when the deal first announced. The deal also left Disney with much of its massive debt pile of over $48 billion as per its latest annual report. Also, most critically, the so-called trend of cord-cutting or people giving up their cable TV connections intensified. For instance, just in the Jan-March quarter this year, 2.3 million subscribers abandoned their paid TV subscriptions. The penetration of paid TV channels, which was at its peak, 80% as of 15 years ago, is now below 50% at the levels of 1992. That is the linear business struggle that Iger was talking about in the interview. Now, where did people go from movie theatres and TV channels? They went to streaming platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime. So, Disney spent huge amounts, billions of dollars, into building a digital library for its OTT platforms, particularly Disney+. And did that yield the expected benefits? Not really. Disney never made money, primarily due to the low rates it charged its subscribers and tough competition made sure that it never got the numbers it wanted. In fact, Disney's OTT platforms lost 4 million subscribers in the last quarter globally. And the business is estimated to lose a whopping $800 million this year. Ultimately, what really started to happen was the offset that was hoping to be streaming never really materialized. I mean, they had strong growth. I mean, no one has a better content asset than Disney. You know, I think it's really one that for the first time gave Netflix competition, but subscriber growth really plateaued. I mean, growth, if you look, went from triple digits to double digits, single digits, and a decline in, in a lot of quarters. And I think investors lost faith from a growth perspective, especially on the streaming. I mean, streaming... I could argue the stock was really starting to trade on some of the parts you know, on that streaming business. And I think that's the thing that really caught investors and I think Disney and the board off guard. Meanwhile, Disney's overall operating expenses are touching an all-time high, but operating and net profit are lower today than they were 10 years ago. 
its stock price, which had touched record highs in 2021, is now at the levels of March 2020. On March 27 this year, Iger announced that Disney will lay off 7,000 people in an effort to cut $5.5 billion in costs. Its linear business is now considered non-core and is put on the block. And so, according to reports, is the business in India. Now, Disney's India story is that of many misses and one big hit, which now runs the risk of turning into a miss. Disney entered India in 1993 through a partnership with industrialist KK Modi's Modi Enterprises. In 2001, the two partners fell out over Disney's plans to launch a 100% subsidiary. And in 2003, the partnership broke. In 2004, Disney launched Toon Disney and Disney Channel. It got Star TV to distribute the channels. That was their first association. Over the next few years, Disney bought and sold Hangama TV and Siddharth Roy Kapoor's UTV. Now, as part of the Disney-Fox deal that was completed in 2019, Disney got Star as the TV channel and Hotstar as the OTT platform. With them came the rights to broadcast and stream IPL. In fact, Cricket was a push for the overall deal. As Paristosh Joshi, a former top executive at Star and now an independent media consultant, tells me. I mean, like they say, rumour has it that eventually the process of merger between one half of News Corporation and Disney began after one of the cricket auctions in India in which the digital businesses, Google and Facebook, decided to participate. That was the time when Rupert Murdoch actually flew to Bob Iger's ranch in California and basically said to him that the barbarians are no longer at the gates, now they have entered the castle. And if we do not make common cause of it, we may fall prey to much, much larger players from the Silicon Valley. And that's how the process of the carving out of the the television and film interests of News Corp began. But I cannot say honestly that I would have ever contemplated a Disney star entity in India. But the entity was indeed formed an entity which is now the market leader. Here's my colleague, Javed Farooqi. Star India is the biggest broadcasting company in India across both TV broadcasting and OTT. So if we look at their TV business, they have a presence across entertainment and sports genres, and they have a market share of uh, almost 34%, including entertainment plus sports. Then they are heads and shoulders above other networks. For example, Zeal has a 17% network share overall, whereas Viacom 18 has 11%, and Sony would be having an estimated 9 to 10% network share in TV broadcasting. Right. And so when OTT? it comes to OTT, OTT again, Disney plus Hotstar's numbers are way above the second largest player. So Disney plus Hotstar, as per uh, the numbers declared by Disney globally, it was 53 million as of 31st March. Uh, Sony Live has declared that they have 33 million subscribers in India. Amazon Prime Video has uh, roughly 22 million subscribers and Netflix would be anywhere between 8 to 10 million. So you can see oh, that okay. in both linear and OTT businesses, Star has a very significant share. And it's profitable. If we look at their most recent available numbers, which is for financial year 2021-22, their net profit increased by 74% to 1,421 crore. And their revenue numbers were up by 38% to 17,400 crore. But that's changing drastically. 
Disney is anticipating that star, the Star India business will incur losses starting FY24 and going forward. In fact, according to reports, Star's overall revenue for the current fiscal year is expected to fall by 20%. EBITDA is expected to slide 50%. Why? What has happened in the last one year that will topple the company from profitability to losses? To understand that, let me take you through the economics of this business. First, content costs. Cost of content has gone up massively. I mean, you saw that last round of BCCI's auctions produced a revenue for BCCI of in excess of 50,000 crores. You know, the other big cost center in terms of content for broadcasters is their daily shows and the movies which they buy. And all of these have become really, really aggressively priced simply because there are more buyers for content. Today, if there is a bidding for Pathan or there is a bidding for Jawan or there is a bidding for whatever else, any one of the the new big name films, earlier it would have been Star Z, Sony that would be bidding for it. But today you have these giants who have arrived who are also participants in that same sort of quasi-auction. But it's not movies, but cricket that is the biggest chunk of Disney's India expenditure. I mean, 23,500 crore this year for the rights to show IPL matches on TV? Wow. And that cost has just been going up. Here's Karan Torani, Senior Vice President and a Research Analyst with Ilara Capital. In the likes of IPL, we saw the cost escalation being almost about uh, two and a half to three times versus the earlier cycle. One is the number of players have increased, right? And second, of course, is the advertiser interest. I mean, everyone wants to grow their advertising business and everyone wants to outperform the market. And third, of course, is the acceptance of the sport as a whole. So I think cricket will continue to rule the sports ecosystem and they'll continue to have a 90, 92% plus kind of a share as far as the broader sports ecosystem in India is concerned. And where does revenue come from? Subscription fees that you and I pay and ads. Here's Karan again. of the TV industry revenue comes from subscription. Now, if you look at OTT, that number is far lesser. It is somewhere close to 30% of revenues coming from subscription. The reason for that is very clear that OTT is an expensive proposition. OTT TV that way is very cheap in terms of ARPUs. And, uh, you know, TV has been here for more than 25-30 years. So, that is how uh, the numbers are skewed. So, how do ad revenues compare for IPL? How do they stack up? So if you look at uh, sports addicts uh, in terms of contribution to TV ad revenue, uh, it has moved from 10-11% to about 25-27% to today. Now, this is clearly because of, you know, the hike we've seen in terms of cricket content cost across World Cup tournaments, you know, BCCI uh, matches and uh, also the, the case in IPL here. The TV ad revenue for IPL has been two and a half, three times as compared to digital. And the reason for that is very clear. As I told you, you know, the ARPUs are low, the penetration numbers are high. It comes at a scale. There are advertisers who want to do mass advertising like FMCG, larger advertisers. They give a big premium to TV in terms of the pricing which is there. High penetration is right. Unlike the West, we are still a largely TV-watching nation. Yes, Paritosh. The reality with India is that our base of television homes is still actually growing. It's not growing as rapidly as it grew right. between, say, 2000 and 2017-18. 
but it is still growing. We are still finding new TV homes in underpenetrated markets. And India's television time spent is also very healthy. At an all-India level, the average Indian television viewer, and there are more than 800 million of them, is spending three and a half hours in front of the TV, which is, you know, not small potatoes. This is a gigantic television market. And it will remain a gigantic television market. So the real challenge of economics is in the streaming business. Now, as Javed just said, Disney Hotstar has a subscriber base that is almost three times that of Amazon Prime and more than five times that of Netflix. But what about revenue? Or rather, what about average revenue per user? ARPU. Now, the cost of acquiring a customer for Hotstar is, say, 1,500 rupees. And so is the rack rate or subscription cost that you and I pay when we download the Disney app. So the rack rate should be the per user revenue, right? Wrong. Because such direct downloads are few. Most people get Disney Hotstar as part of discounted package deals from telecom companies like Airtel along with an internet connection. So a large part of the money goes to them. Some part would also go to smart TV makers. The realized rate, as I told you, is around 600 to 700 rupees. So it's practically, you know, 40-50% lower as compared to what the rack rate would be. And that's primarily because whatever paid subscriber base that they have, 20 to 30% of the subscribers would be direct subscribers at the rack rates. The larger chunk would happen through OEMs and partnership, which kind of compresses your output to a big extent. Disney's average per-revenue user in India is less than a seventh of what it realizes in the US. As if that wasn't enough, something that happened in the last IPL media auctions has made it worse. While Disney, or rather Star, retained the rights to broadcast IPL on TV, the rights to stream it on OTT platforms went to Viacom 18. Viacom 18, a joint venture between Reliance, Paramount Global and Bodhi Tree Systems, found by Uday Shankar, a man who took Star to great heights. And it's backed by Lupa Systems, a holding company controlled by Murdoch. Disney globally has been focusing or dedicating its efforts towards growing the streaming business, not just in US, but also globally. It has been proven that it was a wrong decision to give up the IPL digital rights because it has allowed a competitor to emerge in the form of Geo Cinema, which has seen a massive growth on the back of IPL streaming. And Viacom 18 did something that no one, or perhaps everyone, expected it to do. It streamed IPL matches for free. And that came as a big surprise you know, to the industry because if one is going to offer this kind of premium content free of cost on digital, how would you expect the customer to pay hefty ARPUs for other content which is there? Which is why we've seen disruption in the market. None of the platforms have been able to hike prices. If you look at even someone like a Hotstar, they are also on the verge of you know offering World Cup cricket content which is premium in nature, free of cost. The market seems to be under pressure. What was happening over the last five to six years is that the audience was just getting used to kind of paying for content online. And, uh, you know, just within one announcement, you know, we've seen this disruption where the audience is now again being offered free content. Now, Star has the rights to stream the ICC World Cup, but it's now pressured to do it for free at a time when it should be looking to increase its average revenue. Meanwhile... Disney Plus Hotstar has been consistently losing subscribers quarter and quarter, majorly due to the loss of IPL digital rights. Disney Plus Hotstar's base has gone down by 8 million in six months between October and March. Now, there are three factors 
that are at play. One is, of course, they lost the IPL digital rights. Second is, they have not been able to renew their uh, distribution partnerships with uh, Reliance Geo. And third is, they have also lost a premium content deal with HBO. Disney Plus Hotstar was the default destination for HBO content in India for many, many years. Are they going to lose more subscribers? Are there any numbers that have been estimated? So, Media Partners Asia, which is a media research company, they have put out some numbers uh, which states that uh, they might lose an estimated 15 million subscribers. Over and above what they've already lost. It's this split in TV and digital rights that made monetization extremely challenging. It's also this dent that will majorly contribute towards pushing Star into losses this fiscal year. Now, Disney is a business that is globally trying to build its streaming business and make it profitable. Yet, it forgoes this massive streaming pie of IPL and lets a rival disrupt the space. That shows the misjudgment of a global player that has failed to read a massive, lucrative regional market. Javed told me that the decision to forego digital streaming rights for IPL was made by the parent company. That shows a penchant for micromanagement that has already made Disney lose some of its best hands. There is very, very clearly bleeding of talent out of the structure, right? I guess the most prominent name, of course, is Uday Shankar. He was the first to exit a few years ago. But as recently as a month and a half back, the person who ran very substantial part of the business, Kevin Vaz, has moved to Network 18, Viacom 18 as CEO. Today, I heard about one of the senior regulatory guys who have moved out. There has been a real issue, I think, in terms of the marriage of cultures. We are talking about a relationship which is in its fifth year. And there is still, optically, there is a sense that getting the entire house in order and getting everything working in absolute ship shape hasn't quite happened. So now as Disney looks for a partner who can get this business in absolute ship shape, who would a good contender be? Either you get a very large financial player to say that, okay, I need your money right now. And these are the terms on which your money will enter. The other one is a sector-specific investor who says that I merge this like Disney merged Fox 21, that I bring this in and I expand my portfolio. The same strategy that Star itself has used or Viacom 18 has used or Network 18 has used to grow their networks across the country. The other possibility is that just like Star became a part of Disney, not because of an Indian acquisition, but because of a global acquisition by Disney, it is possible that when Bob Iger decides to hive out his linear TV assets, he just puts this into the bundle and says, bhai, tum ye bhi leke jao. So it may very well be that this becomes an offshore deal of which Star is just tagged on because it happens to be a part of the global network. So it may not even happen here. Like I said, stuff that happens in Bombay perhaps is less important than what's happening in Burbank. And by the same token, the deal might happen in Burbank and not in Bombay. There have been rumours that Iger may sell the assets piecemeal to PE firms. There has also been a buzz that Apple may buy most of the businesses outright. Neither Karan nor Javed think India will be bundled onto that global sale. They think Disney will find a partner here. And Karan has his money on Disney's most aggressive rival. 
Yes, I think it makes more sense because Ycom is one company which is kind of making very aggressive inroads in the media play, in the content play through the digital segment. And uh, off lately, they have also started to invest aggressively on the TV front, wherein they have kind of pushed a lot of senior people, you know, from Star Disney. And I think this could be the perfect match for them because if you look at the market scenario right now, if at all the regulatory approvals come for Z Sony, they will be somewhere close to 25 to 27% at revenue market share. Char is already sitting at 33%, and Ycom is currently close to 9 to 10, 9 to 9.5% in terms of ad revenue market share for the linear TV. Now, if the market becomes so consolidated with Z Sony at one end and Star at the other end, you've got close to you know, 55% of the market kind of being dominated by these two players. So if Ycom were to really scale up and if Ycom really wants to take this TV market seriously, I think they could definitely look for Disney as a strategic partner because it will get them that kind of a scale to reach and you know really compete with the larger players and be large out there. No matter which way you look at it, Disney, in the last three decades through various forays, partnerships, purchases and sales, hasn't really managed to get its India story right. It's tried to sell animated films, TV shows, feature films, Hindi feature films, Hindi feature films with Yashraj films, merchandise, toys, comic books and even jeans without making its presence really impactful. Then, the Fox deal catapulted it to leadership positions in TV and OTT. But it seems to have squandered that as well by being swayed by the streaming bubble, chasing subscription numbers at unsustainable rates and letting go of a critical deal. As things stand now, most industry experts want Disney to find a buyer or a partner. If it does partner with Viacom 18, that could, along with the potential Sony Z merger, virtually create a duopoly. It could also wipe out smaller players for sure, although it's unlikely to lead to a hike in rates in India's super price-sensitive, freebie-chasing market. Of course, it'll be an entirely different story if Disney's India business is bundled into a global sale. Different stories, in fact, depending on whether a strategic or financial investor puts in that money. 1970 to 1988 is often referred to as Disney's dark age. This was followed by the Disney Renaissance, which saw the production of immortal classics like The Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, Aladdin, and of course, The Lion King. It was led by a man called Michael Eisner. Will Bob Iger be Disney's new Renaissance man? Will India be part of that story? That's something to watch out for. That's all for today. You were listening to this episode on The Morning Brief. It was produced by Sumit Pandey and sound designed by Indranil Bhattacharji and Amrit Regi. Executive producers Arijit Barman, Anupriya Nair and myself. We hope you liked this episode. If you did, please share it on your social media networks. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday on a listening platform of your choice. Keep listening and have a good remainder of the week. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.